Yes, sir. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are listening from. This is the voice of A.B. Melchizedek, your servant, serving you all the way from the U.K. today. Uh, first off, I do recognize that, I mean, in the previous episodes, we did hit, in the previous episode, singular, rather, we did hit a couple of points that we skimmed over. Um, so, for example, when we talked about historicity of the Bible, when we talked about um, uh, there's something else that sprung to my mind initially. But I think historicity of the Bible is the main one. Um, I I recognize, and we talked. Yeah, we also said something about whether or not you know the bible endorses slavery now those are those are issues that would require like an episode on their own and an in-depth analysis would have taken us off the course of the point of that episode you know so who knows maybe at some point we would look at the historicity of the bible we would look at um the you know, cross-examine, if you would, the eyewitness testimony of um, of the four writers of the gospel. I mean, I recommend um, a book called Code Case Christianity. It's by J. Warner Wallace. You know, he goes in depth, really goes to town on that topic. And, I mean, he covers it more than... You know, one hour of somebody just talking over a cell phone to you would be able to. But again, who knows? I may or may not have an episode on that at some point. And then definitely we, again, I mean, depending on how long this goes on for, you know, because I may just do four, five seasons covering the basics and, uh, you know, just give it a rest. Um uh god helping the four or five episodes i believe would be enough to give any new believer you know the four or five seasons rather would be enough to give the new believer you know a, like strong basis for christianity and whatever you know they choose to do and develop whatever they choose to do about or whatever methodology they choose to go about in developing their faith, you know, would be up to them at that point. Who knows? You know, I know I said at the beginning that you know, this might um, go into a, pl- might become a platform or that the goal is that this will become a platform for just talking about the Bible from a practical point of view. But I'm just seeing, you know, the way the way things are going, and whether whether I will be able to commit to that. The dream initially was to put put out a thousand episodes there, but you know, on the internet, but I, I would be lying if at this point I told you it's something I think is feasible. You know, I mean, impact does has nothing to do with length. Jesus Christ, the most impactful man that has ever walked the face of the earth, he stayed just three years. You know, his ministry was just three years. And within those three years, he had the impact he has had has been, you know, 
supernatural. Anyway, he is supernatural, so that's not surprising. But yeah, if there's one if there's one lesson we learn, we learn longevity and impact. Um, not necessarily uh, what do they call that thing in mathematics? The opposite, directly proportional. You know. So if we can do five quality seasons, leave it out there for the on the internet to God help him live forever. Um, I think I would have I might like Pontius Pilate be able to wash my hands and uh, say, you know, I'm done with uh, the internet. But who knows? Just conjecture at this point. Anyway, uh, point is we may or may not have extensive sessions on those two issues i know they were not um they were skimmed over and may have raised more questions than provided answers and um, yeah an in-depth study of that is not what we wanted to achieve with that episode but anyway we will see how it goes uh, subsequently so today we'll be looking at what the bible is to the believer last time we saw what it meant to an unbeliever and um, now we will be looking at what it means to the believer the first and most important thing it is and this is where every other thing flows from to the believer it symbolize not it symbolizes it is the word of god Now, this is not something to be taken lightly. You know, a lot of the time, and who knows, maybe at some point I would have an episode on this or write an article on this. Uh, but, you know, there are some words we throw around so much that they have no meaning to us anymore. So, for instance, in church, when you call somebody brother this, or you say somebody is your sister in Christ, that, <laughs> that is a deep commitment there. It does mean you feel about the person um, exactly the same way you would feel about a sibling that there is a there is a consanguinal affinity with. So that is somebody you are related to by blood. You feel about them the same way. You protect their interests the same way. But do we really do that? For the most part, you know, we, we the Greek for brother is Adelphos. It's not just a light term. It symbolizes some fellowship there. You know, some deep-seated fellowship. Something almost, and again, I know this is a lousy comparison, but I'm sure people from Africa would be, this will hit home a bit, but almost an occultic, relationship going on there the loyalty you know between those set of people are delphos you know it's 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 a brotherhood so when he says uh you know we also should lay down our lives for the brethren first uh, john three sixteen, it's showing you the lens uh, you know we would be expected to go to for somebody we call a brother you know, so when you say it is the word of God, what does it what does it mean? You know, it's 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 not it's not a light. You know, it's not a light statement. 
because if you look at the Bible, you would see God didn't do anything without speaking. Uh, you know, he said in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was upon the face of the waters and uh, was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let us make man in our own image. You know, so God is not a man and that he should lie, or son of man that he should repent. Has he said that he will, uh, uh, has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not come to pass? You know, another point off the top of my head, I think this is something you're telling me is Ezekiel 12, 27 or 29, something along that those lines. For I am the Lord, I will speak and the words that I speak will come to pass. You know, so his words are, they carry weight. God does not joke with his words. So if you say the Bible is the word of God, that means it has in it as much power as that word based on which the word you see was created. So Hebrews 11, I strongly believe is 3. It's a true faith. We understand that the words were framed, that the things we see were made out of things that do not appear. That's one implication of the word. It is powerful then. Hebrews 4.13 says, For the word of God is quick, that is alive, powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the... Uh, the marrows of the soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, the word of God is sharp. The word of God is active. It is alive. You know, you begin to see why in John 6, 63, um, Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So the implication of it being the word of God is that it's how you know God. You know, it's a mandate right from the Old Testament to know God. Uh, David, what was his last word to Solomon? Say, know thou thy God. Well, I mean, one of his last words anyway, because <laughs> we've discussed this earlier. His very last words were to tell Solomon to exact revenge on some of his enemies well if we go to first chronicles 28 i believe it is let's just flip over my goodness uh yeah here we go first chronicles i strongly believe is 28 and verse 9 here we go as for you, my son, Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a loyal mind. No, no, no. You know, Jesus told his disciples, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. I believe that's Mark 4, 11. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them that are without, these things are done in parables. You know, that was uh, Paul's number one mission in life, is that I may know him. 
And you know what? That was the entire point of Christ, that we may know, know God. That's the new covenant. Prophesied in Jeremiah 33, quoted again in Hebrews 8. He said, um, the time is coming, I'll make a new covenant with these people, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers when I took them out of the hand of Egypt, that they rebelled against me. But he said, um, you, uh, he said, uh, I will write my laws in their hearts, you know, and all of them will know me from the least to the greatest. They will know me. So the entire point of, you know, Jesus coming is that we will know God. That's the whole point, that we will know him. I say, and you know, that's one of the reasons he said, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. The servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but everything I've heard from my father, I've told you, no. So there's a relationship there. So if there's a mandate to know God, there's a mandate, or the, the whole point of Christ coming is that we will know God, the whole, the magna carta, the 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 clause the major clause of the new covenant is that people will know god and how do we know him how do we know him then well even in the natural how do we know shakespeare do you know anything about um, shakespeare the man died in 1616 never met him yes there's a flavor to his writing we never met socrates or aristotle or plato but there is a flavor to his reasoning we can tell his reasoning process we can tell their use of logic how by words they wrote they are by words they wrote you know a person is as good as his word people's words you know, say a lot about who they are. And it's it's by, I mean, in today's internet age, you can even chat with people you have never met and you build a relationship with them. And a lot of the time it ends up backfiring, by the way, because human beings are twisted people. But a lot of the time, the... um the whole relationship is not built based on sight but on words that have been spoken so don't say words are not powerful so if the bible is the word of god and god expects you to know him then the bible is how you know him it's how you know him Then also, uh, the word of God is how you know his heart or his will. You know, Paul said, uh, be not unwise, but uh, um, understanding what the will of God is. Let me look for that. I don't know why it's um, not rolling off the tongue quite easily. Um, Ephesians 5. Be not unwise, but um, understanding what the will of God is. Yeah, be not, uh, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, the will of the Lord can be understood. 
And obviously, and I think we spoke about this in one of the earlier seasons, the greatest will of God for any man is for him to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that um, uh, all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish. Second uh, Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but is long-suffering towards all. On that part, say, know that the long-suffering of God is salvation. So you see, the will of God is salvation. That's the major, that's the, that's the will, that's the uh, most important will of God for every man. But then once you've been saved, what next? The will doesn't stop there. You know, if you read the book of Acts, these guys were saved, but yet God had wills for them. It says, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the journey for which I had called them. So there was a will. The will of God for them was that they take a specific journey. And he said that they should separate them for that journey. So there was an ongoing will there. You know, the will at some point was that they should not preach the gospel to an ancient city. The same Jesus that said, going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He told them, you know, he said the, the Spirit did not allow them to preach the gospel. Did not permit them to preach the gospel in some ancient cities they went to. So every day you wake up as you live your life, you know, um, there is a will of God for every situation. Again, I'm a bit skeptical about saying that because some people take it too far and then they say, oh, okay, so that means, um, you know, before I blink my eyes, I must wait for the will of God. Before I go out and look for, uh, and, you know, get doing certain things, I must look for the will of God. Before I, you know, sometimes you have to take initiative. You have to do just practical things. For example, uh, the Bible says of David, say, David, I found him following sheep, you know, and I and I anointed him to be king over my people. Who would say, David, whom I found following sheep. I believe it's 2 Samuel 7. You know, so, so say, found him following sheep. So the man was up and doing, he was not sitting in his house watching netflix and wondering what he waiting for god to give him some supernatural will he was doing something and god found him in that place and elevated him uh, you know so uh, there is a will of god but yeah there's a lot of wisdom in, it is not an excuse for irresponsibility if you will Another thing, it's how you are aware of his promises because it's what he has written to you. You know, the Bible is God writing to the believer. Second Peter 1, uh, I believe is 19 and 20, where he says, no, no prophecy of scriptures of any severe interpretation, private interpretation. Uh, for the prophecy didn't come by the will of man, but great men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the book of Zechariah at some point, it says the words which I sent in my spirit to the prophets. So, it is these words that, um, if these words are his writings, then 
you have to search them to know his promises towards you i believe joshua 21 45 so of all the good things god promised israel not one failed i believe you see that again in first kings 8 56 if i'm mistaken by the way i'll be very shocked if this obviously i expect these things i'm quoting should be relatively accurate but if they are accurate to the point i mean i deserve an award because i haven't i haven't thought about these things in a very long time so it, it says uh, that all the promises that god made to israel none of them fell to the ground you know, and in the New Testament, Paul calls us the Israel of God in Galatians 6, the last verse. Well, some, approaching the last verse, it says, As many as walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. So we are the Israel of God. And there are promises he has made to us. You know, so when you open the Bible, you say something like, I will never leave nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5 uh, he says, uh, yes, he has said, I, I will neither leave nor forsake it, that we may say, that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. You say things like Psalms 121, I look unto the hills, for whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, the one that keeps you will neither sleep nor slumber. He will preserve your going out and coming in from this time forth, and, you know, forever. You see something like Isaiah 46, 4, said, to your hoary hairs, I am he, I made, I will be here. You see something like Isaiah 26, 3. said, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace, though whose minds are stayed on him. You see something like 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, I believe it's 24. Faithful is he that called, I will also do it. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship, of his, um, into fellowship uh, by his son. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation of attacking but that which is common to man, but uh, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above more than you can bear, but will with the way, with the temptation, make a way of escape. You know, you see the promise, and I believe it's Judges 6, 23, peace be upon you, you shall not die. That's the word of God to Gideon and he called him Jehovah Shalom why because God spoke peace to him you see assurances like Philippians 4 6 be anxious for nothing but in everything we pray and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known to God you see I don't think there is any better better uh, 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 mental health management system than the promises of God and again, I'm talking to the believer anyway. Again, I'm not castigating believers who have mental health issues or who have problems, but I strongly believe there's a peace. There's an, you know, an assurance that just comes from basking in the promises of God. It says, look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't talk, they don't spin. Yet I say unto you, uh, not one of them drops that the permission of your father. Look at the lilies, how they grow. Uh, sorry, so look at the um, sparrows. You know, the beds of the air. They don't gather or store in bounds. Yet not one of them drops down your father. You are of more value than many sparrows. Says the hair of your head are numbered. 1030 of Matthew, I believe. Another portion. It says, not a hair on your head will perish. Impatience possess you your souls. 
So it's how you are aware of his promises towards you. So if you are going through something, look for a promise. I tell you, look for a promise. I tell you, look for a promise. I tell you, look for a promise. I remember there was a time I was looking for jobs. You know, I, you know, it gets no matter how strong you think you are. By the time you are getting about twenty to thirty no's a day, it takes its toll, and the stakes were very high. You know, I remember whenever I'm feeling low, after I get a no on my email, I look at the Bible. It says promises are yes and amen. Second Corinthians one. I strongly believe it's twenty. His promises are yes and amen. So no matter the no's I got from the world, I knew that Jesus was telling me yes, irrespective of the outcome. It's how you are aware of his promises. Three, the word provides a basis for prayer. Provide a basis for prayer. So even the Lord's prayer, when Jesus said, Our Father, that's fulfillment of prophecy. Second Samuel 7, 14, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. That's based on the Bible. Who art in heaven? Psalms 2, say he that sits in heaven will laugh. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Do you know that was a prayer of David? In uh, I think we I think it's First Chronicles twenty nine. Let me let me look for let me look for the exact verse. First Chronicles twenty nine. Uh, here we go, from eleven to twelve. Your so Lord is the greatness, the power, the glory, uh, the victory, the majesty, all that is in heaven. And all that is in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all, over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. First Chronicles 29, 11 and 12. In fact, if you look at 10, it said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father. So even that prayer, our Father, it's based on the word. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us our daily bread. You know, referencing Israel and how God was providing daily bread for them in the in the wilderness. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. The verse we just read here. Forever and ever. Amen. So even the Lord's prayer itself is based on the word, the Bible. I believe it's Numbers, um, I don't want to get this wrong. My head is telling me 1530, but hey-ho, let's give it a go. No, it's not 1530. Um, that bit he said, uh, fourteen twenty-eight. As you say into my ears, so I will do unto you. As I live, just as you have spoken into my, just as you have spoken in my hearing, I will do to you. 
and you know Moses started interceding for them and he said um, I'm looking for that intercession I think it's in numbers where he said let your name be great according to that which you have spoken I think it's num is this numbers 14 as well Let me have a quick look. Uh, yeah, Numbers 14, 17. There we go. Uh, we start from Numbers 15 to 19. This is Moses interceding. Now, if you kill the people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people to the land which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, to the children and the fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of the people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt until now. And what was Moses quoting? Exodus 34, 6. What God said to him when he revealed himself to him, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious and merciful, abundant in mercy. So Moses interceded based on the word of God. 1 John 5, 14 to 16. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he, hear, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have confidence that he would... Uh... Yeah, let me, let me quote it, verbal, let me read it verbatim. We have confidence that we have those things we have asked of him. You know, James 4 says you 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 ask and receive not because you ask amiss. So if you pray outside the word of God, if you pray outside the ambit, that framework of the word there, you've prayed amiss. Just looking at First John 5. There we go. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we what if he hears if and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. So prayer ought to be on the basis of the word of God. Jesus, according to his word, according to the word of God. That was the basis of the Lord's prayer. That was the basis of uh, Moses' prayer. You know, in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed a powerful prayer in Daniel 9. You can read it whenever you have time. But before he read that, he said, I, Daniel, understood by books. And what did he understand by books? The time of captivity. How did they know that he read the book of Jeremiah? The word of God. And that drove him to pray. That was the framework of his prayer.
So that's why the Bible is important. So every scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, equipped unto every good work. And is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God. There's no knowing God outside his, the ambit of his word. There's no knowing his promises outside the ambit of his word. There's no assurance in prayer outside the basis of his word. So if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And where is his will? His word. What is the second thing the Bible represents to the believer? It represents spiritual food to the believer. And I may stop here. There were like six things I wanted to hit, but I think I've spent too much time on the first bit. So we may just let the other bits go. Just summarize them. Job. Why do I think it's 2312? Even if I have 2612 popping up in another bit of my brain goodness what's wrong with me and my bible flipping these days uh, right 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 yeah 23 12 I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see, Job understood this. He's likening the word of God to food. Interestingly, Jesus, who is the embodiment of the word, John 1, 1, the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, same so was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the word made flesh, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But what is one of Jesus' titles? I strongly believe it's 635 of John. I am the bread of life. Verse 44, I am that bread of life. Says the, the true bread is the one that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And he's the personification of his word, yet he's the personification of bread. He calls himself the bread of life. And he tells his listeners to eat him. And he thought he was talking about cannibalism. But if you look at the book of Jeremiah, I think it's 16, 15. Say the words, your words were found and I did eat them. And they were the rejoicing of my heart. God said to Ezekiel, eat what I give thee. Eat this scroll and then go and speak. And that scroll had words written on it. Same experience John had. Eat this. Eat this. So the word of God is food for the believer's soul. Proverbs 4.20 
um, my son, pay attention to my words, keep give ear to my sayings, keep them in the midst of your heart, let them not depart from your eyes, because they are medicine to all who find them. They are health to those who find them, and medicine for their flesh. The word of God is spiritual nutrition to the believer. Psalm 109, Psalm 119 rather, and I think it's verse 105 or 109. How sweet are your words, sweeter than the honeycomb to my taste. One nineteen verse one o three, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's food. It's food. It's food. That's why even when Jesus was being tempted, the devil told him, "Turn this stone to bread." He said, "Man won't live by bread alone, but by every word." Matthew four four, Luke four four. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So bread to Jesus was not just bread. <laughs> bread was the word of God. It was literally life. The life that comes from the word of God. That's why if you look at John 4, you know, he said he was tired and weary and he sat down. Before he met that woman at the well, his disciples went to buy food. And then when they came back, they saw he was energetic. And he told them, look, I have meat you have no idea about. My meat is to do the will of he that has sent me. Food. Food. food the bible to the believer represents his standard things that he must judge by You know, today especially, we are, we are at war with the culture. It is an anti-Christian culture. You know, diverse kind of um, ideologies are being thrown. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I feel bad for children, these people who are children, because they are just, they are born into a world that is, it is a cesspool, a complete cesspool. You can't watch television in peace anymore. You switch on the television, you know, there must be two men kissing or two women kissing. And then they are telling you, you know, this is, this is where we are going now. 
we are loud, we are proud. I don't understand. Do I go on the street myself now and start bragging about the kind of sex I prefer to have? Because it's just absurd in any other context if somebody is proud of the kind of sex <laughs> of the kind of sex they are having. A bit weird, isn't it? As the Brits would say. Anything you do now, you are brave, apart from standing up for the for for Jesus and for the gospel. Every other thing you are brave. But what said the Bible? Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Jesus told them on that mountain, You have heard it said. But I say unto you. So it doesn't matter what culture is saying. It doesn't matter what Hollywood and the television is saying. Jesus says, I say unto you. And who is he to talk to you? The Lord. <laughs> that died and rose again that he may be Lord, both of the risen and the dead. Uh, both of the living and the dead. He says, for this cause he died and rose again, that he may be Lord of both the living and the dead. Whether we live or whether we die, we die or we live to him. He is the ultimate judge, for the time is coming. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and those that hear his will live. So the time is coming. Those in the graves will hear the Son of Man, and they will come forth, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting damnation. In his hands, he said, I am he that lived and died and am alive again, and I hold the keys of death and hell. It's he. So if there's somebody with such credentials, and credentials, by the way, because the only man-made thing in heaven will be the host in the hands of Jesus. As said in Zechariah, say, a man shall say, what are these? said, oh, this is what I got in the house of my friends. So that will remain there as an eternal token of that price he paid. So when he's talking, you listen. Because he judges you at the end of the day. Not culture, not Hollywood. They will all stand in judgment while he towers above them. Every mountain will become a plain. Every valley will be exalted. It will be evened out. So that the way of the Lord will be plain. This is a time of Nebuchadnezzar with that golden calf. This is the time governors and satraps and musicians and suzerains of Nebuchadnezzar are all bowing down at the sound of his music. Where are the Shedrach, Meshachs and Abednegoes? People who would rather born than die. Say, we are not careful, no king, to answer you in this matter. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Apostle Paul says. He writes to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel on me, the servant of God. We should not be ashamed of our gospel. We should not be ashamed of what the Bible says. 
we should defend it. We love people, but we hate lies. The Bible is the believer's standard, his moral code. The Bible represents light for the believer. Jesus said, he that follows me will not walk in darkness, but has the light of life in him. Since the entrance of your words, Psalm 119, verse 105, gives light and understanding to the simple. It says, um, um, something all my enemies, Micah 7 8. Let me look, let me look at it. Do not, uh, let me look for it, Micah 7 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Isaiah 9, 8, he sent his word into Jacob. It lightened the whole of Israel. So Christ is light. Christ is light. So awake you that sleeps. And Christ will give you light. Ephesians 5. And how does light come? The word of God. Say light shines in darkness. That is the personification now of light being Christ. In the context of John 1. Say he came to the world. The world didn't understand him. Because light. Or rather darkness will never comprehend light. And that is why the ways of the world seems to be so antithetical to the word of God. They don't understand what it's saying. They don't understand what it's calling them to do. Why? Darkness. And the word of God is light. So the whole world lies in darkness. I believe it's 1 John 5, 19. But the original Greek is the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. But what does Philippians say? Believe is uh, believe is Philippians three from around verse fifteen. Ooh, yeah, I think it's Philippians 3. Ah, no, it's Philippians 2. 15. 14 to 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Holding fast the word of life. So how do you shine as light? When you hold fast the word of life. So if you conform, of which Paul says, do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But if you conform to the world, you slip into its darkness. Because it says, how do you shine as light? Holding forth the word of life. Standing there where it stands. Among whom you shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. What is the word of life? The scriptures. In the context of Christ. The Bible is how you grew as a believer. I used to be a song those days. Read your Bible, pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. Very biblical. First Peter 2 2. What does it say? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You may grow thereby. You may grow thereby. You may grow. So you are a baby Christian. You just got saved. You know, your first pot of call, grow. How do you grow? The pure milk of the word. Get into the word. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So that tasting that the Lord is gracious is your encounter with salvation. So why stop at the taste? Ingest more of it that you grow. Don't stop at for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As good as that is. It says, not laying, on, not laying again the foundation of Christ. Let us move on to perfection. That's foundational. The love of Christ. Obviously, something you grow in as well. It says that you may be able to comprehend with all these things. What is the length and depth and width and height of the love of Christ? You know? So the love of Christ never gets basic. But you should be striving. Well, again, I don't like the word striving because that brings in like an element of works and stuff. And you are saved by grace, not by works, as virtually the whole of the last two seasons have combined to uh, drive home that point. But yes, you need to get into the word. You need to get into the word. That's how to grow. There's no other way around it. You get this Bible, you sit your bum down, and you read it. 
Otherwise, you will be starving yourself. And you would be missing out on entitlements, privileges, peace of mind that you should be having as you grow. Finally, it is a weapon of war. And I think I would save this one for later. But if you look at the armor of God from Ephesians 6, uh, from 11 to 18, the only offensive weapon is the word of God. Since the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, that's the only offensive weapon. The rest are shield, helmets, gospel of peace for shoes, and all of that. But your only offensive weapon is the word of God. And that's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, by the prophecies that have gone before you, that you may by them wage a good warfare. I think I may or may not pick up this theme of um, the word of God being a weapon, but as I just said, it, it may be something I would incorporate into this season. Or if not, maybe further down the line, we will talk about it. Because, again, I think um, there are a lot of dynamics to this because not everything is spiritual warfare. Some things can be laziness. <laughs> Some things can just be that's how life is you know not everything is somebody attacking you or you know the devil not everything is the devil's work some things are just the result of eh, that's how life is <laughs> you know that's how life is jesus was chased out of a city the devil didn't do that people did that you know So, I hope uh, you found this a bit helpful. I think I'm happy with um, how we spent a lot of time on that first bit because that is the main bit, really. And that is the bit that sets the tone for the rest of this season. That the Bible is the Word of God and how you know God and how you are aware of His promises and provides you with a basis for prayer. That lays the sin for the rest of this season. So thank you very much for your time. As always, remember life is short. In the context of eternity, nothing else matters, my friends, except what you do for Christ and the gospel. Take care.